This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network. Available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Back with episode 587. So we're moving right along here. And of course, with all the bonus episodes, if you haven't noticed them, we're way over 600. Um, The bonus episodes are just YouTube shorts, 90-second clips that give you, you know, some some small update. The one I just recorded not too long ago is about AI cameras. So um, make sure you go back and listen to that if you're listening on the podcast channels. Today, we want to talk about how do you actually optimize your content marketing funnel? How do we create the right content for people? How do we make sure uh, it resonates? And then how do we keep moving forward? And, you know... The, the forward movement is an important part because here's the thing. Content works, but you have to keep going. So the next person that emails me and says, our podcast didn't work after 15 episodes, of course it didn't work because that's not way, that's not enough episodes and enough content to actually stay out there. So Chelsea Alves is joining me. She's a content marketing expert. Uh, she's been talking about that topic on LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure that's how I ran across her. That's how I like to find guests. That's how I like to connect with people who are talking about the topics that you guys and gals care about. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Hey. <laughs> I will say this. I got this new camera, and it's so far over there. I, I, it's much harder now to fix it. I know, up. same. I'm like uh, <laughs> trying to get it right. <laughs> where is it? Um, if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you hop on over to Spotify where you can actually watch the video version of the show and you can see us our shenanigans as well. And of course, if you're watching live, appreciate you. Chelsea, tell me, tell me about the content marketing funnel. Why is that top of mind and, and why does it work? Why do people need to consider it? Yeah. So the content marketing funnel, I think it's something that most people don't really think about when you think of funnels. I feel like people predominantly think of sales funnels and a content marketing funnel is kind of the same as a sales funnel. Um, in that there's three different stages. There's the awareness stage, there's the consideration and interest stage, and then there's the decision-making stage where you're actually going to potentially move forward with a purchase. Um, So you can apply kind of the sales funnel uh, ideology to the content marketing funnel as well. So when you're thinking of the content marketing funnel, you want to think of what content you want to create for each step of the customer journey and the sales journey. Um, And I think it's something a lot of people don't think about. You don't think about, oh, I've already engaged this customer. They're already interested in my product, um, but I'm going to keep serving them starter guides or starter eBooks that aren't probably of interest to them because they already know about your products or services. So you can lose people along the way if you're not presenting them with the right content and the right materials and if you're not understanding their needs and expectations along the sales journey. You know, what's always interesting to me, of course, you know, even content marketing is about sales, right? It's just different parts of the sales funnel. I mean, when I'm thinking about most of the content I write, even on ChristophTrap.com, it's 
uh, I don't know, it, it's answer-based content, right? But at the end of the day, I'm selling you something because I have affiliate links, right? If I'm writing about AI cameras, as I mentioned, it's answer-based content. But I make money every time you buy one of the cameras. So at the end of the day, you know, it is about sales. It is about getting people to pay attention to me and getting people to pay attention to whatever is I'm talking about. Um, what, you know, I always, we, we do talk about the whole thing of people starting and stopping. It's a campaign, right? 15 podcast episodes, four blog posts, don't get me started. And it, we proclaim it doesn't work. What's your experience in longevity? Keep going, keep trying different things. What's like your, your philosophy when it comes to ongoing content marketing? Yeah, I mean, honestly, this, another thing about the content funnel is it's a great way to identify gaps in your existing content. Um, so if you're not already, you know, have a whole content plan, obviously, that's the first place you want to start. Um, and then you want to map out each piece of content and see where that content falls within the content marketing funnel. So does this belong in the awareness phase? Does this belong in the consideration phase? Is this more the interest phase? And then once you do that, you can identify where you need more pieces of content. Um, and then that helps you see where your gaps are and where you need to create new pieces of content. I think this is always an, an evolving and, and long-standing process that's going to you know, continue to, you're going to have to continue to refine over time um, because obviously you probably want more pieces of content in the consideration stage you don't necessarily need an equal ratio for each piece of content. So it's kind of like doing some, it's a lot of A-B testing. We talk about this all the time as marketers. You obviously want to see what's resonating with your audience, where they're falling off, uh, which pieces of content they're attracted to, which pieces of content they're not attracted to. Um, and I think that helps you identify what you should be creating, what resonates well with your audience and um, I help fill in the gaps in the content marketing funnel. What's interesting to me is when you talk about the different stages is what, how clear cut actually is it um, that content is for a specific stage? I'm, I'll give you an example. Sometimes, you know, I write about a topic and I'm thinking, well, that's really top of the funnel, right? Uh, awareness. And then the people that read it all of a sudden make a purchase. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it is top of the funnel for some audiences, but for some people, they just were searching for something related and they were like, oh, maybe this is an option because they couldn't they couldn't find something else. Right. That solved their problem. So uh, maybe I just talked myself out of that and it is consideration stage. But but give us some examples for the different stages um, of what kind of content would you create specifically? Yeah. So I think, you know, for like a top of the funnel content piece, when people are, you know, just finding you in the search results, they maybe don't know much about your business um, or maybe a friend has mentioned them, their your brand to them. I think, you know, starting off with kind of like introductory blog posts or thought leadership posts in your industry is a really good way to capture that audience and, um, you know, present yourself as a voice of authority and show that you have expertise in that industry. Um, I think that's you know, showing you have expertise and authority not only shows Google that you're um, a trusted resource and surfaces you higher in the search results, but it also shows the end consumer that you're a trusted resource as well. So I think more like thought leadership based pieces, you know, maybe like a starter guide, like say you um, are an, an online reputation software provider and someone's seeking a way to um, improve and boost their review uh, rep 
their reputation management and boost their online presence. So you might want to have a, you know, a starter guide, like the go-to guide for uh, reputation management for marketers. Um, maybe a blog post that's, you know, breaks out different chapters of that starter ebook to kind of get them involved in your your brand, what you sell, what you're an expert in. I think the first step is showing you're an expert. Uh, once they, you know, are more interested in your brand, I think uh, in the interest stage, that could be presenting maybe case studies uh, to your audience, maybe through an email campaign. Um, once you've seen they've engaged and interacted with your content, spent a decent amount of time on uh, that blog post or that ebook using, you know, some kind of marketing measurement software, um, then you can engage them with maybe a case study showing hey, this uh, retail client of ours, uh, this is how they benefited from using our online reputation software. And these are the results they saw. So just more like maybe like case studies, uh, white papers of results that showcase that you should, you are and should be their vendor of choice. And then in the decision stage, it might be something more like a product one pager showcasing what your product uh, features are, what you have to offer, how you differ from your competition any unique selling propositions you have that differentiate you from your competitors. So I, to sum it up, I think at the top of the funnel, it's more awareness pieces, more, you know, getting them immersed in what your brand does and having them understand you're an expert. Middle of the funnel, it's, uh, you know, a little bit more tangible results showcasing uh, your value to other people similar to their industry. Um, and then the bottom of the funnel is more like tactical, here's what we can do, here's how we differ from the competition, here's why we should be your choice of vendor. You know, the one thing that always comes to my mind when it comes to the bottom of the funnel is ease of use for any product. And talking about ease of use is we use Restream, uh, and that's the link right below here. If you wanna uh, live stream your podcast and even just record your podcast, I would highly recommend Restream. That of course is an affiliate link if you wanna check it out. And I think you get a little bit off just by using that link. Um, but how important is it to actually um, bring back, hone in on like the functionality when you're considering the uh, the product? I'll give you an example. Um, I actually picked a product one time and I, I don't use it anymore, uh, but their thought leadership content was just out of this world. Like, holy cow, good stuff, awesome, whatever. Middle of the funnel, I don't remember. I can't tell you, but somehow I moved through the funnel, right? So it must have been good. And then I ended up using their product and it was horrible. It was so like their thought leadership and their product didn't align, right? They were, they sounded smarter than they were, if that makes sense. So how do you make sure that um, everything aligns, especially with the product, right? Because if I'm the content marketer, I'm creating the content marketing content but I'm not involved necessarily in creating the product or updating the product or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think that's why it's so important to have that cross-channel communication. Um, I feel like product marketing and content marketing, in my opinion, are very closely aligned. In my, my job, I personally work on a daily basis with um, our product marketers to you know kind of understand where the gaps are in our products, um, what frustrations customers are currently having, what our roadmap looks like to fix those and, and address those problems. So I think it's kind of having that like cross department communication and collaboration. I think that's essential. I think, you know, product marketing and content marketing go hand in hand and you can't have any gaps in communication um, because, yeah, you're right. You can't 
if you're doing your job and effectively writing about how you're a thought leader and how great your product is, but it doesn't align with how the product actually acts, customers are not going to be happy (laughs) and they're not going to see you as a trustworthy source and they're not going to recommend you to their colleagues. Um, So yeah, it has, it all has to align. And that starts with, you know, an organization that really prioritizes collaboration um, and communication between different departments. I'll try to come back to collaboration in a little bit here, but um, I know you already mentioned um, writing, right? Writing guides, writing articles, writing whatever, and certainly writing matters. And even, uh, of course, now with the help of AI, we have um, more help, you know? I mean, I'm not saying anybody should just have AI write everything, but I write, that's not even the right term, I brainstorm with AI copy line on on every headline. I hardly ever use it exactly how copy line suggests it, but I certainly use pieces of it. You know, sometimes I combine two ideas, sometimes I combine three ideas. So I certainly do that. And so writing matters. That's my point here. Um, But what are the best content types? Is it the written word? Is it podcast? Is it short form video? Is it a mix? Is it, it depends, uh, which we don't like on the show because that's the answer to everything, right? But but how do you determine what is actually the right way to um, to create this content? I think honestly, it. I, I hate to say it depends, but I think it does. I think, um, you know, most industry or it, it varies by industry, right? So if you're you're targeting a younger demographic, I would say, you know, short form videos, um, social media, marketing, um, anything that's kind of engaging or interactive usually resonates best, but you have to, that's, you know, as a marketer, our job is to understand our audience, right? We need to understand the personas we're trying to target, what works best with them. So that's why I think it's important to have a, a mixture of all kinds of different um, forms of content. So video, podcasting, um, long form content, short form content, infographics, uh, case studies, and actually measure the performance of each of those. So see how long uh, people stay on those pieces of content. If they uh, exit that content or if they move on to another piece of content, um, what the bounce rate is once they land on that content, do they actually stay? I think it's, you know, measuring your content's performance is so imperative. Um, because that's the only way you're going to know what's performing well. Um, I mean, what I see with my own uh, freelance work and then with my my current full-time job is that interactive content seems to be the way the future is moving. I don't think people enjoy just reading 1,000 words of text without any graphics or videos or something to break up that text uh, in between. I think that's kind of become an antiquated practice. And also not the best user experience. I mean, even if you're looking at Google search results today, um, five years ago, it was just all text. It was blue links, uh, some black text underneath. And that was, you know, the way the world was back then. But now if you perform a Google search, you'll see videos, you'll see image carousels, you'll see featured snippets with all kinds of different graphics and video content. Um, So Obviously, Google is a huge brand. They understand the way of the future. They have a lot of market research. Um, so if we look at just them as a as, as a thought leader and for best practices, they're creating content and showcasing content that has different engaging interactive elements in it. So as a marketer, we'd be I think we'd be wise to follow suit and follow that best practice and do the same um, 
regardless of industry. So many different roads we can go down here on so much great insights there. So we only got like 10 minutes to go. So we can't cover all my questions that I have for you, but let's hit some of them. And the one thing that was interesting to me is when you mentioned image carousels, for example, I've actually ranked four images that I wouldn't say were the best images, but they were unique, right? But they weren't highly produced. They just kind of got the point across. They weren't stock art. So keep that in mind, right? Just sometimes creating a simple graphic on an image can actually help you rank in a carousel. Now, you mentioned, I do want to give a quick shout out to my uh, day job, um, voxpopme.com, try conversational insights, um, learn who your audience is and ask them why. Why are they doing different things? What are they doing? Uh, why do they care about what they care about? So I hope you check that out. I actually tried to do the, um, there you go, boom, we don't need to probably. Um, so you talked about um, measurements though. So what's interesting to me about measurements, there's so many things that can go wrong that are out of your hands, right? Um, somebody screws up the SEO for some reason and you don't even know it, right? They did something technically wrong. Or one of my favorites in, in years past is, you know how articles have like a width, right? This is the standard width that works. But when people, when the website is set up incorrectly and it's too far, it looks horrible. The, the content looks horrible. And you would think the writer made the mistake, but the writer did nothing, right? It was actually whoever set up the website that should be held accountable. How do content strategists and content marketers, how do they maneuver that, let's call it a minefield of, you know, unintended consequences from other people's actions? I think, um, you know, for marketers and SEO specialists, website owners, anyone who's dealing with the web page or content. Google Search Council is what I use personally. It's a great free tool that uh, anyone, any business can use. And it helps you identify your page experience. Um, it helps you see the number of impressions your web pages are getting. Um, but yeah, going back to user experience, it, it gives you a plethora of insights. Um, if, it, if your web pages are mobile friendly, if they're indexed, um, any on-page like lagging, when people click on a website, is, is the lag time too long? Um, it just, it really goes over user experience, which as we know is extremely important. Google had a page experience or multiple page experience updates, one as recent as a couple years ago. So they're really prioritizing having an optimal page experience. So I think content marketers need to look at that. I, they, they can't be in the mind frame of, okay, well, I drafted this content and now I'm done. I'm done with my job. No, you need to see how that content performs and keep a close eye on that. Um, I think it's the content marketer's responsibility to make sure the, the copy they created is also performing well, there's no issues, and that they're optimizing the on-page experience for the end user for the best best SEO results. How can people like, you know, me, and I, don't, I, don't, I almost said you, but I don't really know if you fit into this category, but I grew up in the writing area, right? So when you like write content, and then if I wanted a photographer, I would call a photographer. If I wanted a designer, I call a designer. And I still do that sometimes today to an extent, but sometimes now I just hop into Canva, right? And I'll just update it myself. I'll just get it done. Or if I need a photo, I might just take a photo, right? And, or whatever, or even video, I need to, you know, move one of your quotes to the beginning. I might just do that myself. And, you know, 15 years ago, I may have sent it to a video editor. So, um, but how do people, how do content marketers who grew up in one um, 
one area, one specialty, whether it's writing or something else, how do they advance and learn some of those other things to help them create the interactive content that you think they, they should in the future? You know, I think it's a, as a marketer, no matter what generation you are in, it's always important to be learning because in marketing, things are always evolving. It's always changing best practices that were best practices a year ago might not be today. Um, So you can't stay stagnant and just, you know, not advance with technology. Unfortunately, we're in a world, or maybe fortunately, (laughs) we're in a world where technology is consistently advancing. Um, Expectations from employers are and clients are continually advancing. So you kind of have to stay on top of that to be successful and effective and the best at your job. So for people who didn't grow up, you know, using Canva or, you know, other don't know how to podcast, I think it's kind of, you know, taking the steps to educate yourself on how to do that. I mean, we live in a a world now where you can learn how to do something on TikTok in 30 seconds. Um, and not to say Canva is a, a program where you can learn it in 30 seconds, but there are a lot of resources out there, a lot of free resources. I mean, you could probably, I could probably go to YouTube right now and find a three minute video on how to use Canva for beginners. So I think it's just fi- taking the time um, and setting, allocating that time to f- better yourself further your education, um, stay on top of new and emerging trends and just being the best marketer you can be. There's a lot, we have so much access to information. We're in the information age right now. So it's not really, it's not even something you need to necessarily go to school for anymore. You can learn it yourself online. It just requires dedication and, and commitment. And also, I think there's a certain level of just trying things and seeing what works and kind of evolving things. I'll give you an example. I just recently updated the intro to my uh, to to this podcast, and I think you may have this may be the first episode where the guest picture is on that first opening slide. Your name has always been on the last slide, right? Episode, whatever, and then with whomever. But I put you on the front, and I already noticed one thing I don't like about that slide, and that's our names. They're in bold, just like the headline. So I'm changing that, right? But but back in the day, people would have had a heart attack if they would have said, oh, my goodness, you're going to change it after you already use it publicly? Um, and I'm like, yeah, I am, you know, and I don't know. Maybe we'll keep the guests on the front page. I don't know. I think it's kind of neat to have the guests on, the, on, on that slide. Um, but back in the day, that didn't used to be a thing. So is that also important to kind of roll with the punches, make updates and go, hey, it looked good on my computer screen when I looked at it here in, in my silo, but when I saw it in the wild, I didn't like it. I think so, yeah, and I think you have to do what is resonating best with your audience. I mean, you might like something and prefer something, but if that's not resonating with your audience, if you aren't getting good conversions, not seeing click-throughs, um, it's not up to you. It's up to what works best for your audience. So I think it's, yeah, and, and like you said, you might think it looks good and then you see it in practice and you're like, oh, wait, I might want to revise this so I have the best experience for my users as possible. Yeah, I think that's a skill to learn, however. I mean, that doesn't mm-hmm. because, you know, when we go to I think when people go to school, they are taught there's a right or wrong answer. Right. This is the wrong answer. And so it's really hard to do that, especially if you do it publicly. Um, let's maybe for uh, 90 seconds or so here talk about. Um, depart, uh, interdepartment collaboration. And I know cross-functional anything, right? That's certainly a little bit of a buzzword. But what tips do you have to actually 
get that relationship with product marketing working or get that relationship with the product team in general or, or whomever you need to build a relationship with? What tips have worked for you? For me personally, it's having recurring standing meetings um, just to, I feel like those meetings, number one, give you more visibility into what the product team's working on. And then vice versa, you can give the product team into visibility into the content or the marketing campaigns you're working on. So that's always helped me just having like a standing meeting, maybe on, I don't know what cadence works best for your industry specifically, but maybe on like a bi-monthly or even a weekly basis could be helpful. Um, just like keeping that collaboration consistent and showcasing that you care about their team and what they're doing and their efforts um, and recognizing what they're doing. Uh, I feel like a little recognition can go a long way. It's it's all about, you know, build, building relationships. I feel like in any industry, you want to build relationships, uh, especially with your colleagues. That's who you work with day in and day out. So recognizing the work they're doing. Um, staying in consistent communication with them, showing that you care about what they're doing and how it's supporting your campaigns and your efforts, um, I think is the best way to keep continue that relationship and continue to develop, to develop it. Absolutely. I mean, you have to be known and, and stay, stay connected to people. Really quickly here in the last 30 seconds, tell us how do people connect with you? Who should reach out to you? And Chelsea, really appreciate you sharing your insights today. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The best way to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. I'm very active and responsive there. And um, if anyone has any content marketing needs, I, from strategy to editing, to drafting content, I'm always happy to help. And uh, yeah, that's the best way to reach out LinkedIn. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.